Welcome to the Heal Your Life Talk radio show. I am Victoria Johnson from victoriajohnson.org, your host and Heal Your Life workshop teacher trainer and Heal Your Life coach trainer in Canada. I am the author of the best-selling book, Do That and Then Some, Transform Feelings of Less Than to More Than Enough, based on the teachings of Louise Hay, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Dr. Bruce Lipton, and many more great teachers, authors, and thought leaders. Tune in for tips on how to heal your life now with power statements, affirmations, visualizations, reflection time, and real-life stories with real-life people who have overcome adversity. Learn to transform your thoughts and words. Learn to love yourself even more based on the techniques of Louise Hay and You Can Heal Your Life. We will be ending today's Heal Your Life Talk radio show with specific power statements, affirmations, and treatments to help you heal your life based on what we have talked about on the show. So stay tuned to change your thoughts and heal your life even more. As Louise Hay often said, the point of power is in the present moment. So let's get started. So today's guest is Kumar from Mumbai, and he is an amazing soul who first came into my life back in 2013. He has overcome amazing things in his life, including tragedy, loss, and trauma, which we'll be talking about a little bit. But before we do that, I want to say that he is a makeup artist and has been for almost 25 years. He has had a very successful run in Bollywood. He helps people both to look and to feel beautiful, uh, movie stars, musicians. He's been part of advertising campaigns such as the Garnier products and Pons. And he's worked with a list of celebrities who uh, I would love to share their names, but I can't pronounce them. So perhaps uh, Kumar later on will, will share some of his adventures that he's had with us. He is a torchbearer for the LB, LGBTQ community and feels that his life's purpose, you know, perhaps is to help awaken, guide, and mentor people through that journey so that they can avoid going through what he has been through. You know, when I wrote my book, Kumar, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Hello, Victoria. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here with you. Just so thrilled. And what I was starting to say is when I wrote my book and I shared my story, the reason that I did it, even though it was painful and uncomfortable and, and downright scary, was that I felt that when I shared my story, it gave other people the opportunity to say, you know, me too. I feel that way too. And I've felt that way in times of my life and therefore they can be healed. And it also encourages other people to share their story as well. And so the healing just keeps going, you know, all around the planet. And that's one thing that I love about having you on this show today and having you as a friend is that you're one of those people who has experienced life and has the wisdom to go forward and help other people. And I just want to thank you again for being on the show with us today. Thank you, Victoria. You have had quite a life experience. Yes. <laughs> um, I know that you've shared with me that it started off that with a bit of a bumpy childhood where there yes. was, yeah, a lot of... A lot of um, well, I was actually an unwanted child, uh, uh, which I came to know much later when I was in my teens. And, uh, you know, I was born without planning. Uh, my mother conceived when uh, my father was cheating on her with another woman. And he gave her an ultimatum. He said that, you know, here are these three pills and you pop them and then uh, you'll 
uh, you know, whatever, abort or whatever. It was too early. So it was just in the first or second month. And then um, she took two pills and then one pill fell off her hand into the drain. So there you go. I'm a tough one there. And uh, she told me this much later in life. And then, um, you know, in India, there is a lot of pressure uh, on women to have male children. Uh, male children, boys, are considered to be an asset. They carry the family name forward. They help the father on the business. Whereas girls, unfortunately, have a raw deal. You know, their girls are taught, taught as liabilities. We have the parents will have to collect dowry for her wedding. And eventually she will go away with the man she gets married to. That's the culture here. So my mother throughout her pregnancy, she kept praying. I hope it's not a girl. I hope it's not a girl. Because before me, there was all, already a girl and that was my sister. And then one uh, rainy summer night, I was born. I came out and then... Uh, uh, there it is. My, there was a lot of resentment because my parents were not together and uh, I was too little to even understand these things. But then as a small uh, child, I'm sure it leaves an imprint somewhere in your soul, uh, which subconsciously you begin to, you know, the, uh, the father is not there. And then later on, he broke up with that lady and then he came back to Mumbai and then he started working with this wonderful company called a magazine publication house called uh, uh, Reader's Digest. It's an American magazine. And um, the wonderful part was that we used to get a free copy every month. And then uh, my mother would read out a lot of stories from there and, you know, beautiful, beautiful, real uh, stuff. And uh, she was always my best friend as I was growing up. While my father was, you know, very different, he was kind of aloof. He knew that, you know, when you have a gay child, I didn't know I was gay then. He knew that, you know, that this boy is, something is different about him. He would definitely try to make me more masculine by send, sending me to play rigorous sports like uh, football and cricket and, you know, and, but I was not interested. I, I just would do my own thing and run away and quietly attend music lessons uh, along with my sister and her friends or sit with the other girls of my age group, or draw, or paint, or do something, or just dream, dream about various beautiful things of what I'll do when I'll grow up. How See, we grew up in a very middle-class uh, locality. I wanted to always live in Bandra. Bandra is a place in Bombay, in Mumbai, uh, where all the film stars live. And um, it's got a lot of uh, beautiful old homes, uh, lots of Portuguese old homes and, you know, bungalows and quaint lanes and cafes. And it's a, it's a very sought after neighborhood. You could all, almost compare it to with Beverly Hills uh, in, in its own uh, small way. So I always wanted to live in Bandra and I used to dream about Bandra ever since I was a child. And, you know, I have read a little bit. I have to be entirely honest with you. I have not, but now I promised you and to myself that I'm going to pick up your book and Louis Hay's book. And I'm going to start reading and probably gain more uh, insight about how uh, these things work. Because subconsciously, I, uh, I used to think about it and uh, I started creating my own uh, future. And that's what is the main uh, thing which uh, we talk about.
childhood was not easy. My father was very, very strict and we had thrashings and verbal abuse and spankings and punishment and, uh, you know, all the things. And I used to get petrified of my father. And then by the time I was 16, I, you know, one more thing before that, I must have been six or so and I was put in an all boys school and that added more problems to my life because I was not comfortable with all the boys needling and, you know, boys can get really rude. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Boys, well, young boys, especially, you know, they're really finding yeah, their way. And they would make fun of me and I would start crying and slowly I stopped crying. And then uh, what happened one day was there was this parents and prize day and they wanted to do a play and there was a Red Riding Hood play. So I got a chance to play Red Riding Hood. And there I was, I wore my sister's dress and a red dress. And there was a, I still remember, it was a deep red velvet uh, scarf, which my mother had, which she retrieved from somewhere. And she put it around my head, put some lipstick on and I fell in love with my image. And the amount of love and adoration I, I, I received that evening, it almost became like, like an intoxication for my soul, which had never received, ever received anything like, you know, wow, you've done a great job. Or, you're good. You're smart. It, it was always the opposite. However good you were, you were always made to feel that you were unworthy. You know, when I'm just going to... Uh, interject here for just a minute because when I hear you talk I think about you know the inner child which is a lot of the work we do with the heal your life work and yes you know one thing that Louise used to say is that deep down inside of us we all have this fear of I am not enough and when I hear you talk and I hear about the circumstances of your mother's pregnancy and the circumstances of the first few years of your life you were being told this both in actions and in words that you weren't enough, that you were not enough the way you were, or perhaps weren't lovable the way you were. And I just think to that young boy, that six-year-old version of you, and what a world it must have been to be living in, not feeling like you had that security at home and didn't belong at home. And when I think of you on that stage in that magical night in that red velvet dress, you know, my heart just smiles and is is overflowing with gratitude for that opportunity to finally be in the place where you can say, I am lovable just as I am in this moment. And sure, I'm lovable just as I am. And you know what? I am blessed with a beautiful face and a beautiful heart. It's a rare combination. You know, you certainly are. And when I was a small boy, I didn't know about the beautiful heart. But the beautiful face, the mirror never lied to me. And I would maybe, it might sound narcissistic, but my best moments of my childhood were staring at myself endlessly for hours together, looking at myself in the mirror. And off late, I've been reading a lot of books on self-help because healing is a continuous process. You never know what you can tap into to help somebody else. And um, the more you look at yourself and appreciate what you have, your healing journey has already started. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that, that we in the Heal Your Life work really encourage people to do is this mirror work. And so many people struggle with that, to be able to look themselves in the mirror and say, I've got you. You know, I'm here for you. I love you. You know, you're beautiful. You're an amazing person. You are worthwhile. You are doing great things on this planet. 
all of those things. But, you know, that's part of the Kumar experience as well. And, and I do want to continue with your story, but I do want to let the listeners know that when you are in your presence, my experience has been when I was in your presence, it's not about just the outside. It's not about making people beautiful on the outside. It's about how you make people feel and how you have them dig deep inside of themselves and find that part of them that probably relates to that six-year-old you in the, you know, in the deep red velvet dress that, yes. that was able yes. to say, I am where I belong. Absolutely. And most of the time I do makeup. Of course, there are some times where you have to do like clockwork when there are too many girls, you know, there are eight and 10 girls. You don't get enough of time to spend. You have to look at the watch, look mm -hmm. look at the time and you have to work hard. Uh, you'll work really fast. But there are some shoots where you have the luxury of time. You have two hours with the girl. Uh, it could be a wedding as well. And the girls slowly start warming up. So I feel that I'm almost like giving them a sort of healing uh, imparting something without them even realizing it because they have so many bottled up emo emotions. And then, you know, when they look at themselves in the mirror, they look at themselves in an entirely new light and they feel much more beautiful than they ever felt about themselves before. So that's wow. a gift. You do have a beautiful face and a beautiful heart. That is an amazing gift that you're giving to them. Absolutely. And I'm blessed that I'm able to do this people, you know, yes. and whoever it may be, it may be the biggest star or it can be somebody who's, who's a starlet who doesn't know where her next job is going to come. I give each and everybody same amount of love and TLC. And a lot of times these days, a lot of them say that, you know, you're like a mother mm -hmm. and I love it. I love it. I just love it. Oh, that is beautiful. And, and I can uh, say that it is very true. Being in your presence is absolutely like that. So tell us more about then, you know, you, you have this opportunity, you're on stage, you finally feel like I found where I fit in and people are um, giving me words of adoration and accepting me. And where do you go from there? And then I grew up and then teenage was a difficult time again. All the boys had girlfriends and whatever, whatever. And I had hair sprouting on my face and pimples and, you know, the, the usual problems and the verbal abuse and the beatings continued. And uh, it had become slightly less because my father was not very tall. He was around five foot two or something. He was a short man. And I had already shot up to my full size, which is five, eight and a half, five, nine. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I have big, so, you know, I looked taller. So he could no longer slap me anymore, but the verbal abuse was enough. And that's it. I slowly, you know, started ignoring him and then it continued. And then in my 10th grade, I talked the language, languages because, my, you know, I speak well. It's a gift again. I'm meant to communicate. I'm born to communicate. Yes. I know that now, but then I didn't know that. So all my languages were outstanding. It's spectacular. But math was horrible. Science was okay. History and geography and all was whatever. So I decided because of the way I was, I was not like the rest of the other boys. I decided to go 
into hotel management. But just before that, one day my father was getting ready to go to work and he was bending down, tying his shoelaces and he gets a heart attack and he just dies in 10 minutes. Wow. And I, for me, it was, I'm being very honest. I was not sad that day because I just felt I, he had never given me any love that I could feel any sadness. And I don't feel anything wrong with him to accept that. Mm-hmm. But yes, years later, I went to Banaras with Varanasi, which is a sacred confluence of three rivers, and then prayed for his soul and made peace with him and forgave him because he didn't know any better. I don't want to do the same thing and continue the cycle of hatred, which he had imbibed in. So I was like a duck on water. A duck, no matter how much water you throw on the duck, the duck is not going to drown. Right. That's what happened with me. So I didn't bother. Of course, but deep inside, it made me fear men in authority mm-hmm. to a large extent. That occasionally, I'm, I'm very comfortable talking with women. But if it's like a CEO kind or somebody like school principal or somebody, I get a little tiny wee bit jittery now, but not as bad as how I was then because I've made peace with it and I've healed myself. That is such a beautiful piece. And I'm so happy to hear you say that because even though the person may no longer be here, even though the person may not deserve our forgiveness, it's something that we do for ourselves. And to get to that. I did it for myself because I was hurting inside. He was gone. I'm not, you know, I don't know to communicate with spirits and all that yet. But when I do, I'm going to ask him like, why? What, What was what was it? But then I'm in a beautiful place. And if the time comes, I don't dwell on it at all. But if the time comes, then who knows? And then I did my hotel management. And when I was in my third year of hotel management, my beloved mother, she passed away. She had uh, chronic uh, kidney problems and, uh, you know, suppressing uh, a lot of emotions, uh, getting scared of her husband. And, you know, what, what is the function of the kidneys? Mm, to filter, to, filter. to filter. Yeah. All the good things or the bad things? I think it does all the bad things. Is that correct? All the bad things. My mother yeah. ha- received so much of hate and so no love from him that she, her kidneys stopped functioning. Mm-hmm. It was all stood within her. She was not healed and it manifested as kidney disease. And I didn't realize that. I realized this right now as I'm talking. Oh, Kumar, you know, that mind, body, spirit, soul connection is so strong. And there's so many times that I've talked to people over the years that just putting those pieces together is a real step towards their healing. And I'm so so glad that you've shared with me about your mother. And and I can imagine that was an incredible loss for you. And, you know, she would have carried a lot of the, as a mother myself of, of boys, I can say I carry a lot of what the world gives them. Correct. And, Correct. and so to be dealing with everything that she was dealing with and still to be a loving and nurturing and protective and kind mother to you, what a blessing you must have been in the 20 years that you spent with her. Absolutely. Absolutely. I cherish each and every day. And she has imbibed such stellar values in me. Mm-hmm. Her sense of style. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a lot of money, but her dress sense was impeccable. You know, oh, that's lovely. You just, 
she didn't have diamonds but she she rocked in pearls <laughs> i love it she, she was uh, she had beautiful hair and she was a tall lady she was taller than her father mm-hmm. she was a beautiful woman but you know a wrong marriage and a social conditioning which doesn't permit you to walk out of a marriage divorces were unheard of in the middle class society of india in uh, the 70s or 80s and even if she gets divorced go to what a society which doesn't accept her right the two children growing up so she decided to stick into the marriage and uh, that's what it was that was her undoing and she died she paid the price for it there are so many times today victoria when i think that today i'm doing i'm fairly well to do affluent or whatever you may say i stay in bandra the beverly hills of bombay mumbai mm-hmm. there But are so you- many times i think why if my mother was here she would have lived with me like a queen i would have had a car for her and a chauffeur driven car to pick her up and take her shopping and get her hair colored get her nails fixed but i can't do all of that but so i try and do that for other women and i get a lot of happiness and solace that is so beautiful and it just makes me smile to hear you say that and you know i just want to share with what you have done for your mother is overcome adversity and that Absolutely. would be the greatest gift that you could have given yeah. thank you and then uh, one year later my sister got married my sister and i we were very emotionally disconnected i don't blame her she's an introvert i'm an extrovert we are poles apart mm-hmm. not that she's a bad person or anything she's a wonderful girl she's happily married she has a life of her own and uh, we are not that we are not really close or we've never been emotionally in touch i was there for her but somehow i felt that you know she was slightly aloof maybe because i was a smarter prettier one ever since i was i don't know these are all my own uh, whatever i don't know she i've asked her time and again do you need to talk about something about our childhood or anything but she's always very elusive and she doesn't talk about it so when she's ready you can't force somebody into a healing or something like that they should be ready for it so if she's ready i'm here mm-hmm. like i'm there for a lot of people it's so true you know that's one of the louise hay teachings is the only person that we need to be working on is ourselves and Absolutely. so often you know we want to fix the neighbor we want to fix our family um but no. just getting to that place where we're working on ourselves and and when other people are ready that's when they'll be there as well absolutely when i hate myself so much how do you expect me to give love to others mm-hmm. i should learn to love myself yes and now i love myself totally and completely and then um um as my sister got married and then well the wars did not end i went into depression Mm-hmm. I would stay awake the entire night like an owl and in the day I would sleep classic signs of depression right and there was not enough money going around to buy food so my mother had made some mango pickle and I used to make some rice and eat it with the mango pickle and sooner or later you know I was too proud to ask for help from relatives and all because my relatives were a little standoffish they somehow nobody embraced me you know they felt like oh if this one comes 
it will be another mouth to feed or i don't blame them because maybe there was not enough money going around i really don't want to get there i've forgiven all of them i still go meet them occasionally in family functions and stuff like that but we are not in sync we are miles apart we are poles apart we are from different galaxies uh, to each to his own so anyways i uh, that was the time i got out of my home i had a television set and i sold the television set because there was no money for food the only thing i had was a radio and i would put the radio on on and i heard this makeup artist come live on the f- uh, fm uh, 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 you know the, the mm-hmm. radio and um, he was talking about homosexuality and gay and uh, uh, boy george and new york and uh, gay pride and uh, you know all these things which i i was not dumb because i was a, bo- a child a little boy who grew up on readers digest so i i was very familiar with what he was talking it was not latin and greek at all so i said oh there is a world which exists somewhere outside So somewhere this gentleman from radio gave me a message saying that there is a night club somewhere in the south of bombay where you go and then you meet other people who are like you i thought i was the only one actually i was under this uh, entire notion that there was no i was one of a kind but then i realized that there are many people who are like me and there's nothing like that so what did so, that feel like to to uh, have that realization like how I old were you about this time about 20 i was 20 yeah 20 21 yeah yeah and in before that i have had sexual experiences but nothing drastic you know mm-hmm. let's not get into that because this is a public uh, uh, platform i don't want to go into graphic what happened and who did what and all and <laughs> there was no penetration or anything of that such just fondling and here and there and that's about it so that's all i've been through and i have been groped a million times even now i get groped occasionally by men and it happens a lot and now i turn around and give, give them a look and they melt they don't know what to do mm-hmm. because you know with all these healings and healings and healings and healings I have somehow my aura has expanded that even a blind man can see it. Mhm. So that's what happens. So uh, anyways, so I will go to this night club and I see a lot of gay people and people are kissing and uh, there's lovely music and Madonna and uh Wham and George Michael and you know all these songs going on and playing and I all it was all me. It was just the right place for me to be. I was like Alice in Wonderland who went into the little pit and discovered a whole new life and there I was I was Alice and I went inside and then I saw a lot of drag queens many of them looked hideous and I said they want to dress up like women and they've got five o'clock shadows on their face and they look so bad so mm-hmm. I decided okay come on we'll teach uh, you teach these girls you know I was always like that I knew I was very confident that I had the face. So I got some cheap foundation which was five shades lighter because I am tan. I'm not fair. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm tan. I'm not even a beige. I'm tan. So I would get an ivory color foundation and slather it on my face and look like a geisha and venture out and wear my spectacles so that nobody I thought nobody was looking at me but I'm sure the whole world look I didn't care. and then i would get on top of bus it was a double decker bus you know the public tra- yes. transport 
double decker bus so i would go up quickly put my lipstick on and put some coal inside my eyes take off my glasses put it in my pan pocket and go inside that nightclub and then see all the gay men falling like flies like moths to a flame and i realized you know i relived that entire ad you know that the cheering and all what happened when i wore the red dress the first time in my first class first grade mm-hmm. same magic happened all over again and i said ah uh-uh. ah okay maybe this is what you are meant to do you know yes you look good you look great and uh, uh, people love you if you dress up and you love yourself also you love yourself even more and uh, it was wearing makeup was almost like a mask to hide all the you know insecurities and you know all these things which i was going through and uh, the scars the emotional bruises which my father had given me uh, they were not healed then 